Today on Sagittarian Matters, an orphan squirrel, survival, advice, routines, and more with my very special guest, Beth Pickens. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing and Squirrel Rehabilitation Studio in Los Angeles, California. I have a story for you, listeners. A couple days ago, I was walking home from a walk with producer Pano. I had let her off her leash to run down the driveway, and I was looking at my phone like a ding-dong, as one does, when I punted, I gently, my foot, My foot gently punted something out of the way as I shuffled up my driveway. And the thing that I punted, which I imagine was a newspaper, went, and I looked down and it was a little squirrel. It was a goddamn baby squirrel. Baby in the way where it had fur, its eyes were open, but it was a baby ass squirrel. And I jumped into action. Um... I have rescued a lot of different baby animals over my life, and also I worked at Farm Sanctuary, which is a place for rescued factory farm animals. So I have done some rescues here and there, um, and I, what I did was I grabbed a box. I opened the trunk of my car because I was in the driveway. I dumped all the books out of it that I had meant to sell, and I took the box, and I went to try and kind of like coaxed the squirrel into the box and then he started screaming a little noise that was like like it sounded like chirping almost he was screaming he was saying mom mom help help me somebody help me and nobody came now at this point I want to jump in and tell you I have given a lot to the squirrels in my neighborhood and I don't try to carry resentments but I currently am harboring a resentment against the adult squirrels in my neighborhood for not stepping up for this little guy. You know, I have offered them handouts for years. I've advocated for their asses. They have been taken care of by a lot of people. And so for them to not show up for a little baby whose mom is either a deadbeat or dead, I've... I'm feeling some feelings about the squirrels in my neighborhood right now, and I don't know when we're going to make up, but it was near their bedtime. It was around 6 p.m., and nobody came down to help this little guy. His mom was nowhere to be seen. He was really skinny. He was really drowsy, and I tried to throw some of my squirrel food in the box because I didn't understand what to do, and it was like a bad comedy where it just sat next to him, and then he kind of nodded off because he was so... um, He was so weak. And then I looked and there was another baby squirrel shivering nearby. That was his brother who is no longer with us. But I immediately called friend to the show, Diane Gasparin, who is a little bit of a local squirrel expert in Portland. She has found many baby squirrels and she is in touch with a woman who runs a squirrel rescue. So Diane coaxed me through picking him up, putting him and his brother in the box, um, wrapping them in a towel and then calling this other squirrel expert. While I was doing this, all the people in the neighborhood came out. Neighbors from across the street, neighbors from down the street, a neighbor that jogs by. Everyone I have not been talking to for a while, they all came out. We all started talking. 
it, the community was coming out for these squirrels. We were all keeping a social distance, but we were all coming out for these squirrels. Um, I talked to a squirrel expert in Oregon named Lee, and she she gave me advice that was comforting and terrifying. Essentially, all the advice around baby squirrels is either very frantic, you have to do it right now or they're going to die, and or if you do it wrong, they will also die. So you have to do this stuff, but if you do it wrong in any way, they'll probably die. But go do it. And so that was the vibe of what was going on. I need to also say one thing about social distancing and isolation pods. There was a moment where isolation pods were an idea. And that meant if you quarantined yourself for two weeks, so you quarantined, you stayed at home, you promised not to talk, you know, talk to anyone closer than six feet, you weren't going anywhere, you were just staying at home and like bleaching yourself every day. The theory was after two weeks, if another of your friends did that, you could form a trusting pact where you would have an isolation pod, which meant that you could hang out with each other. Now, I don't know if that is still current corona guidelines. I do not know. Please Google it. But my neighbor, Craig, who has also been quarantining, and I became co-parents to this squirrel. Um, when the squirrel rescue was going on, Craig and I got closer than three feet to each other. And then we were like, uh-oh, are we now in isolation pod? I guess that we are. And we decided to share the co-parenting duties because one of the duties of taking care of this squirrel until we found him a new home was to wake up every two hours to feed him and make sure he was warm. And that is something that I... I couldn't do every night. You know, I had frazzle nude mom energy after the first night. So here's, here's what I learned about finding a baby squirrel. If you find a baby squirrel and it's the age of these ones, I don't know if you find a little pinky newborn fetus squirrel. I don't know what to do, but if you find a baby squirrel, you have to keep it warm. And the advice I got was you need to keep it warm or it will die of hypothermia. That was the guidance I got. And I was advised to use a heating pad. I do not have a heating pad. I don't know. I just don't. So what I did was I put him in one of Ponyo's old travel bags, which is a, a cushy like duffel bag for a dog. And I put a dog bed on the bottom. I put nice, soft Ponyo's favorite travel blanket and some little towels, which his nails got caught on. I got advised not to do that. No towels. He needs a fuzzy blanket. He needs fuzzies. There's a lot of terminology in there. The terminology includes fuzzies. It includes tickling, which we'll talk about later. He needs his fuzzies. So I had the fuzziest blanket that I could muster. And then I kept him warm without a heating pad by filling an old teapot full of very hot water, putting that in there covered with a blanket, putting a smart water bottle full of hot water in there covered with a blanket, and putting my neighbor's um, hot, cold water bag, like sports injury thing in there with a blanket on it. And then the squirrel could nestle in there and be warm. Uh, the other thing is, is that some people will tell you if you find a baby squirrel, don't feed it because then it will become human's bitch for all time. and will never be able to talk to another squirrel again. I don't think that's true based on the people I talked to who basically were like, you need to feed that baby right now. Hang up the phone, run to the store. We don't care if there's a plague going on. If you get coronavirus, you need to get to the store and get some full fat goat milk now. So I dropped everything I was doing. I had already done my full hazmat suit corona shopping like this week. And then 
I had to go back to the store. I, had, I used another pair of rubber gloves. I did my whole thing. You know, I brought my own bag. I stayed away from everybody. I, I got as freaked out as I was supposed to get. I wiped down everything. I bleached everything when I got home. I went to the grocery store in the middle of the night. They didn't have full fat goat milk. I'm on speakerphone in the middle of Gelson's with this squirrel woman who is very adamant and is like, oh my God. Oh my God, it's low fat. Well, oh God, oh, oh, you can't get any squirrel formula. And I was like, no, I can't get a squirrel formula. It's a mail order thing. I was like, I can post on Instagram and try to find squirrel formula. And she was like, okay. And so we got full fat goat yogurt, low fat goat milk. And then I brought them home, warmed them up, put them in a baby syringe, which I had from Ponyo's many medical calamities. And then I fed the baby squirrel. Okay. Thing number two that will freak you out if you adopt a baby squirrel is everyone, half the people that tell you not to feed them is because they don't want you to drown them because they're so little that if you push the plunger on a syringe too fast, you could aspirate them, which means like water will go into their lungs and they, they'll drown basically. And so, every, you know, everyone is putting the fear of God into me like, you need to go slow, you son of a bitch. And so... I had this little baby squirrel in my hand and I'm like, oh God, so afraid of like waterboarding him. Uh, but he, it worked out. I, thus, thus far, thus good. Knock on wood. He really liked the mixture. He really took to it. He got milk all over his face, all over his little snoot, which I wiped off so he wouldn't aspirate. And he grabbed the syringe with his little hands and he was like, he loved it. He did not care that there's a quarantine going on. He didn't care anything. He was like, thank you so much. I was so hungry. Thank you. I sent a photo of him to the squirrel expert and she called me on the phone alarmed and was like, that baby is emaciated. He's been away from his mom for a very long time. You need to keep feeding him. Like It just, everything is a crisis. It was very stressful. <laughs> There's parts of it that were very cute and serene and wonderful, which was holding him on my chest, taking care of him, him being alert, fed, happy, healthy, having a good time with me and Craig. He fell asleep on Craig's chest in the middle of the night after a feeding. Like those parts were really special, but contacting anyone in the outside world about squirrel rescue basically gave me a nervous tick. Like it gave me a, a nerve disorder. I got a case of the nerves because everything is a crisis and everyone wanted to tell me how I was doing it wrong, except, except for like one or two people. So I post on Instagram, does anyone have squirrel formula? And then so many people wanted to let me know that it was illegal for me to have a squirrel. <laughs> so many people wanted to just let me know I was breaking the law. I didn't know you guys cared about the law so much. A lot of people want to tell me I was breaking the law and that wildlife belong outdoors. You know what? That is wonderful. That's great. I'm so happy to leave wildlife outdoors. I'm not turning into Tiger Man anytime soon. But during baby season, which it is right now, it's not as easy as it may seem from your home in North Dakota or wherever you're Instagramming me to find a place that will take in another baby that needs to be bottle fed every two hours. That takes a minute. And so I was looking for squirrel formula so he would be nutritionally sound as we were going through this process, calling many, many, many humane societies, wildlife places, like so many places. Thank God I had a co-parent because this was like a full-time job for a few days. So neighbor Craig 
finally found a place. We are driving him to Malibu tomorrow. He gets to live in a nicer place than I live. He's going to have a great life in Malibu with 26 other baby squirrels that this lady is feeding around the clock. Uh, she sent us a text that said, and I, I'm imagining this is her voice. She said, you know, I wish that squirrels could smile because you should see how their faces light up when they when they see other baby squirrels. They get so happy. They just feel so secure. And that made me feel so secure. The last thing I want to tell you is a few things. The squirrel's name, the squirrel's name is Scooter Milk Mustache George's Wilsey. It's a hyphenated last name because he has co-parents. Um, Scooter is spelled with a Q because he's a squirrel. And I also want you to know that one of the things I was instructed to do was to help him go to the bathroom by quote unquote tickling him. So that involved getting a Kleenex. Y'all, you got to get a Kleenex and you just got to tickle him, tickle his little private parts, just tickle him. And so I tried tickling and it didn't, nothing really happened. And then I tried running his private parts under warm water and nothing really happened. But he figured out his favorite place to go to the bathroom, which is climbing up your shirt to your shoulder. So then you're like, oh my God, we're best friends. He's on my shoulder. And then he pees down your shirt. Uh, and then today, a special twist was he was in between my t-shirt and my sweatshirt keeping warm. He crawled up my shirt to my shoulder and then peed under my shirt so that the the urine kind of cascaded down the front and the back of my skin. And that was really nice. So that's the story of Scooter Milk Mustache, George's Wilsey. He was such a joy. It was really nice having him around for a few days. I, We are relinquishing him to a wildlife professional, not just because everyone on Instagram threatened to call the police on me in the middle of the coronavirus, but also because, you know, he's a wild, he's a wild guy. Certainly he could be our ward. He could be best friends with Ponyo, but, um, he probably wants some squirrel friends. I really believe in animals having a mate, like another animal of their species that they can talk to. This is something I learned at Farm Sanctuary. They wouldn't adopt out farm animals to homes without another farm animal of the same species because the animals get lonely. And if there's no reason for them to be lonely, then why make them that way? You know, Ponyo and I, I'm her mate. I'm not like that, but you know, I'm her co-dog. We we talk because she's socialized that way as a domestic animal but farm animals wild animals they need somebody who really understands them and so scooter is going to be amongst so many baby squirrels and somebody who actually knows how to give him veterinary care supplements and then how to release him in the wild in a way that works whereas i would be doing it in a way where i wanted him to be you know kind of codependently linked to me for the rest of my life i'm just being honest here if he could come to my door every day, you know, asking for seed or whatever, I would be, I would be thrilled. So that's the story of Scooter. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy my talk with friend to the show, Beth Pickens. And one more thing, when I'm talking to Beth, we mention citation books. These are imaginary because as two judgmental people, we are issuing tickets to people in our heads every day, all day long. And so we joke about having a citation book for infractions. Uh, during this time of Corona, it's harder to get the actual physical tickets. And so, well, you'll hear, you'll hear about it in the show. Anyway, enjoy the show. 
I hope you're staying safe. Please keep in touch and stay tuned for news about live episodes on Zoom. Thank you very much. Beth Pickens is the author of the book, Your Art Will Save Your Life. She is an arts consultant, a strategic planner, and a favorite friend to the show. Beth joined producer Ponyo, a baby squirrel, and myself to offer some wisdom on how to keep a level head while in quarantine. Please enjoy my talk with Beth Pickens. Beth Pickens, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. I'm happy to do this over video. Always glad to be here. Beth Pickens, I have squirrel pee on my shoulder and running down my back. What else is new? I have a baby squirrel in my lap, and we are here to talk about some uh, things that have been working well during the pandemic for us. How's it going? How's your quarantine? How's your quarantine? Quarantine vibe check. You know, I think the key to a pandemic is it's one day at a time, and everything's always one day at a time, but I think a real big light has been shown, has been is shining on the fact that it's always one day at a time for every single person. Not just people in 12-step programs. Like, literally, this is one day at a time for every single person. I know. I I keep... I My thought f- that I was thinking about today was that thought of just like, okay, we're sitting with the unknown. But actually, there was always unknown. We just thought we knew what to expect. Not- yeah. The, the illusion of control we have over our lives is really just... It, it's evaporated. Yeah. And so now here we are. I have formed an isolation pod with my neighbor. Um, And that's kind of the only person who's been in my house or who I've, he patted me on the back the other day and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, human touch. (laughs) Um, So Beth, I made myself a worksheet to do every day. Kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been unemployed, but the unemployment office makes you send in an email where you tell them the places you've applied to that week so that they'll keep sending you your check. And so I'm kind of been my own like social worker parole officer where I'm like, oh, I'm like, are you going to do something for your body today? And I'm like, sure. And I'm like, OK, what? Tell me what it is. Or like, are you going to talk to your friends? OK, tell me exactly who you're going to talk to and how. And that's been keeping me um that's actually been keeping me sane a little bit because it's actually making an easy plan for myself. And it's not journaling like my normal, like I'm harvesting the details of my life so I can make beautiful art out of it. It's just keeping myself accountable to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really smart. Well, friend of the podcast, podcast beloved um, person, Lagusta, she has her daily acronym, right? Yeah. Frames. Frames, which I know starts with flossing. Flossing, something with an R, something with music. Oh, flossing, reading, something, activism, music. And then I don't know what the other part is. Right. Yeah. But I think that that and your worksheet and um, other strategies for keeping really simple, manageable goals every day is, is a crucial pandemic tool. So with the, my clients, all of my artist clients this week, and last week, I've been asking them to just have this kind of five, five bullet point list that they're checking off each day where they do one thing for their body, just like one simple thing, according to whatever their ability and whatever they're usually ha- their habits and what they have available to them. One thing for their body, one thing for their spiritual interior mental health, um, one thing for their home, because we have to spend so much time in them. 
one thing for their immediate relationships, if there are any in the home with them, and then one thing that is contact with themselves as an artist. And it doesn't have to be making anything. It might be listening to music or leafing through an art book. And so like very simple, small goals in all these categories. I think that's really helpful. And how has it been going for people all of a sudden being socially isolated, but then having access to everybody texting them? Or most, most of my clients have actually reported that they don't feel isolated. They actually feel a little inundated, like they are getting more contact than they normally would have or want, (laughs) which makes sense because so many things are moving to video that um, maybe are more compulsory to participate in. People are on um, giant text threads. You and I are. Um, There's a lot of checking in. And I think some people might be getting more of that than they actually need. And they're feeling like they could actually use a little bit more solitary time. Do you have any tips on how to very gently make that space for yourself? Well, the good news with people trying to reach out to you digitally, they're not at your house. So you just don't have to answer if you don't want to. (laughs) And if you're afraid you're going to scare them because you're not going to answer for a couple of days and and there's people who are who run anxious or who are expecting to hear from you every day, you can just say, like, I'm not up for a chat today or I'm working on some other things today. I'll talk to you Saturday. Right. Just sort of say I'm not available for this and then manage expectations by saying I will call you Saturday. And for people who, you know, family members or anxious friends, there might be some people that their anxiety is coming out through managing contact with other people. And you just might have to detach, give them a quick meme or emoji, and then move on with your day. But um, if you notice that you're getting actually, if you're being, if you feel a little overwhelmed or inundated with group contact, it's okay to, to chill out and cool it for a couple of days. I really always enjoy living my life with the notifications for my texts and emails off so that when I look at my home screen on my phone, I can't even tell if I've received a text until I go deep into that folder. I get nothing. Yeah, I think that's a really good strategy. I think now now more than ever, because something I always ask my clients to do is sort of minimize their time with their phone and social media. But right now, you might want to even turn that up. Like I'm about to take off social media at the end of the workday today and it's goodbye till Monday. <laughs> and I will be very happy to be away from it for a weekend. Um, what else, what have been your highlights and lowlights of your personal quarantine week? I feel like we're taking everything day by day. And so I think our, my podcasts, I feel like I need to talk to people and then post it like right away because everything will change within the week. So this week, what were your highlights and lowlights of the quarantine? This week. This week, yeah, last week was totally different. This week, highlights have included um, a really good soup that I made. I'm I'm making some stellar beans and soups um, because cooking is definitely a relaxing thing for me. It's not a bummer. It's something I love to do and it relaxes me. So I've done some good cooking. Um, Highlights have been seeing the view from Griffith, Griffith Park in Los Angeles and being able to see all the way to, I think, Long Beach really clearly. <laughs> the sky is really clear. That's been beautiful. And listening to all the birds early in the morning. Um, a highlight has been hearing from all my clients, having my sessions with them and knowing that they're okay. You know, because first I'm just doing sort of logistic check. Is everybody okay? 
are they well? Do they have what they need? Are they in any imminent danger? And it's nice to know all these different people. I know that they're safe and they're okay. That that's a real highlight. Um, and a highlight is I get along with my spouse a lot and we laugh a lot and that's really cool. I mean, that could turn at any second, but this week we're having a really good time in quarantine together. Low lights are me asking a woman this morning at Griffith Park to stop talking to me because I was there for quiet time and she was shout talking and I wasn't here for it. Can you can you tell me how you phrased that? <laughs> um, well, she was shout talking, trying to engage in a conversation when I'm giving every indication I don't want to talk. I'm paying attention to my dogs. I'm putting earphones in. I'm away, far away from her. And at 730 in the morning, it's very quiet and early. Um, and so she's trying to engage me in conversation. And I said... I'm sorry. I'm really just here to have quiet. I don't want to talk, <laughs> which I feel fine about. I had to set a boundary. I didn't want to talk to her. I usually don't want to talk to strangers. I'm not, I'm not a person who ever wants to talk to strangers. I'm not friendly at a restaurant. That's just, just how I'm wired. And it's funny because I'm partnered with somebody who wants, who would love to talk to a stranger more than her own friends. I only want to talk to people I know. I never want to talk to strangers. <laughs> And I hate small talk, as you know, because I'm a, well, I think it's because I'm a Capricorn, but I know notable Capricorns who loves making a small talk. So I think that's just a me thing. It might not actually be Capricorn. Today's episode is brought to you by Emily Helmus, Lily Withicombe, Kylie Oram, Whitney Gecker, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, Christy Harrod, and Shoshana Ruth Wechter. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially and in particular producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Or this just in, he's got a Venmo. You can Venmo him to hellbooks. That's H-E double hockey sticks books on Venmo. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's new speaking voice. But so I'm following, I'm obviously following all the COVID-19 rules because, you know, it's like we're putting in all this work, and obviously the sacrifice is sort of a loaded term that depends on what's going on with you. Like, I'm not... I'm not out in the world working. I work at home, so that's no sacrifice. But everybody, everybody who who can is asked to stay at home. So it's like, well, why go through all of this just to like fuck up flattening the curve by doing this other thing? Then I just feel like everybody just do the thing we're being asked to do to the very best of your ability, so that all this hard work by so many people can just work. Yeah, yeah. So it's not so much in this case. It's not a fear of authority, although I have that a lot. It's more like a, we're doing all this shit that is hard or annoying or scary. Like, let's just keep doing it so that the thing can work. Don't break rules. Yeah. And um, bleach. <laughs> Don't bleach. break rules is going to be my podcast. Don't break rules. It's going to be about different rules. And then it's going to have uh, Beth's ticket corner. Beth's citation <laughs> corner. My ticket book. Well, because of the global shutdown and slowdown, I can't get any more ticket books. So I've been out of to- ticket books since like day two of the quarantine. <laughs> so you're I've writing citations on what? Toilet paper, which I need to keep, <laughs> but I'm using it just to give out tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave you gave several tickets to that lady who was talking to you at Griffith Park. 
Oh, man. So loud. The shout talking, just shouting at me from like 50 feet away. And I was like, what are you doing? This is a beautiful, quiet, serene moment. There is birds and you're shouting small talk at me. Small shouting. I have been less gracious when a straight guy or a straight couple is walking on the sidewalk and they don't show any sign of giving me any space and for whatever reason it's like we're playing chicken and then I'm the person who has to move because they don't give a fuck if we are within an inch of each other's faces oh I've given out some tickets to these people so my citation is because I can't spare the toilet paper I have no spare square to spare my citation is odd and audible I go ugh. <laughs> and I step into the street. <laughs> and, but I have my headphones on, so it's loud enough that I can hear it over the headphones, but then I can't hear how they respond. <laughs> nice. Good, good, good. You just, yeah. So you and I are giving out all kinds of verbal citations, tickets, infraction notaries. I, yeah, I've given out a lot of tickets. The good thing about me being mostly at home is that there's fewer opportunities for me to give out tickets. <laughs> That's not why the dog, they're just, they're just tacked all over your dog. the dogs are nothing but infractions nothing but um so beth what are some strat what are some more strategies i know that we've talked before about how like even the minor like we're thinking about people that have been isolated like the coal miners that were isolated a way they got through and kept their mental health in a, a way that felt doable for them despite their situation was to have a routine Mm-hmm. A lot of people yeah. right now are being asked to stay at home instead of going to work. They're out. Of, they can't go to their clubs. They can't go to the gym. They can't do all the things they were going to do. So have you been encouraging your clients to create a routine in their house to preserve their mental health? Yes. Having a shape to the day, a shape to the week, not so much a schedule, but just a shape and a routine for sure. So, um, I ask my clients, like I said, to do those five things, something for their body, something for their emotional, spiritual interior, something for their home, something for the immediate relationships and something that connects themselves to an artist. Just like have those check-ins every single day. That will be five things that you have done. That'll create a little bit of shape. Um, And the way I ask people to think about making the shape and routine for themselves is have the motivation be absolutely loving kindness and compassion and not bitch get back to work you're lazy you have all this free time right because everybody we all still have those interior monologues that are telling us like get up do something you should be doing something you should be working you should be working you should be working god I mean isn't that just what else is there (laughs) besides the messaging of you should be working and so I've had to remind everybody, myself included, but definitely all my clients, that the extra time people have right now is quarantine time. It's not cool free time. It's not McDowell colony time. It's There's a global pandemic and a virus and you're quarantined in your home time. So that time isn't going to always feel productive or sane. It's going to sometimes be overwhelming. You might be quite anxious. It could be very difficult to focus, of course, and that's okay. So the shape and routine to your day, I would say have it grounded in how can I take care of myself today, starting with yourself, just what are the things I can do to take care of myself a little bit better every day, and then looking outward from there, starting with the the animals and people around you and then outside of the home. But it's really about the motivation. So, for example, like, it's okay if you don't update your website during a pandemic. 
I know you've had it on your to-do list for months and now you have all this time. Again, it's just, it's not cool free time. If you find that that's a great thing to do and you're happy to do some things that make you feel productive and you have the time to do, awesome. One day you may feel that day, that way and the next day you might not and that's okay too. It's sort of like every day is another year. <laughs> I mean, two weeks ago was like 20 years ago, it feels like. And one day or even throughout the day, you might feel very different in one moment to the next. People who have trauma in particular, I think are having trauma-influenced responses of what's going on. So the fear and terror or precarity or anxiety, all the things that might be coming up might not be steeped in any immediate threat to their well-being, but they might be having really old stuff come up. And so a lot of people, I think, are sort of triggered and activated in kind of old historical childhood things or from long ago. And so sometimes what we have to do is identify what age person is taking over so that we can soothe that person so the adult can come back to the to the front if that makes sense mm. so the kid the the traumatized kid should definitely not be making the schedule <laughs> do you have any advice for people that are feeling a lot of financial scary feelings right now yes absolutely the first thing to do I think the first thing to do is any kind of embodied thing that just sort of like gets you in your body so that you can respond, not react. The next thing to do is to look at the math. Look at the math of your life. Look at exactly how much cash you have available to you and what are your most crucial expenses. Because a lot of people, I mean, I think most of the majority of the population of anybody I would ever know is having financial fear right now. But not for everybody. It's not founded for every single person. Everyone will be impacted financially, very likely, but not everyone impacted is going to be impaired. There's a difference between being sort of financially damaged and having a financial impact. So <clears throat> I think the first thing to do is actually just look at the numbers. How long are you fine? How long do you have? How many months ahead do you have savings or liquid assets available to take care of yourself? Because sometimes that can help put the problem in its true perspective. Because it's a very different situation if you know you're good through 2020 versus if you know you're good through March and that's it. So first we have to just assess what is the financial reality of the situation, then respond from there. And for every, for all my clients, for all artists and, and certainly freelancers and people who've lost a ton of work, rather than trying to scramble to look for more work right now, which would be very difficult, I recommend first start looking to what's been made available on a macro and a micro level for people who have been financially harmed by what's happening. Um, and that's through micro loans, through grants, through community fund sharing and mutual aid. It's happening and being added to frequently. One thing that I heard, actually Governor Cuomo said this, and I heard it on The Daily last week and it soothes me, so I like to share it. Um, he said something about the, that, you know, there's not, because there's not a crack happening for a few people to fall through, it's actually more like a gulf that we all have to look at. I think people can sort of feel a little bit of comfort in that whatever you're going through, you are totally not alone. And there are going to be solutions in micro ways from you and your community and macro ways from, from the federal government. 
whether they get to you and whether you access them, some of it you have control over, some of it you don't. But start with the things that you know you have some power over. So I've been asking my clients to first identify three to five funds that they could access. They don't have to do anything with the information yet, but just get the information. So step one, the micro step one is identifying a short list of funds that are available to you that are being distributed, whether it's a mutual aid or a local grant or a micro loan, but just identifying what's what's available to you first. Hmm. Um, what is a, a good way to be of service if you have a little extra time right now and you have a social network? What's a what's a way that you could be of service to your community? Because also we can't really go out and like help an old lady across the street. Yeah, yeah. I think Number one, always start with what do you have and don't focus on what you don't have. So um, I remember with the 2016 election, a lot of people would tell me, you know, I want to give money. I want to give money and they didn't have money to give. And I'd say, that's okay. That's just one resource. You may have a lot of other resources. So first take stock of what do you have available? It might be time. It might be particular skill. It might be cash, but identify what you have available and that will help lead to, okay, here's who I could be of service or ways I could be of service. So for example, the the very first couple of days of quarantine in, in Los Angeles, I think I started on Friday the 13th. That's the first day I was home. Um, I just, I have, I still have my job. So I started Venmoing people who I knew lost all their income. I just started Venmoing people emergency funds. That's a really fun, quick, easy thing to do. Um, the next thing I did was um, because I'm a person who loves sort of like food media and food culture. And I am an avid listener of KCRW's Good Food with Evan Kleiman. And I listened to her last couple of podcast episodes that were about the devastation of the restaurant industry, which is something that's on my mind all the time, you know, because I've worked in restaurants. My wife was a waitress for many, many, many years. And just knowing how hard it is to run a restaurant, that it's such narrow margins of profit, even in a good year, all the people who are losing their jobs, that just like kind of chilled me to the bone. And so I saw on a listserv that I was part of that up in the Bay Area, a group of people were raising um, thousand dollar chunks of money from wealthy people to basically sponsor meals and hospitals and buy continuous large orders from a group of restaurants. And I was like, that's a great idea. I don't know if it's happening in L.A. yet, but I'll start a micro version of that just to get going. So I just identified a few groups of people that I wanted to give money to through help with with friends. And I identified a group of hospital workers, a group of grocery store workers, and Angelinos impacted by homelessness. And I decided, I reached out to a couple, a couple of restaurants reached out to me because I had texted or I had DM'd Evan Kleiman from Good Food about this. And, and she put a couple of restaurateurs in touch with me. So a couple reached out to me. I reached out to a couple and basically just started getting the numbers. Like, okay, to feed 100 people, how much would that be? And to feed 400 people, how much would that be? So that I knew how much money I needed to fundraise. And then I just told somebody who I'm friends with, another friend of the podcast, I'm sure, Ann Friedman, who has a really big social media following. I said, hey, I'm going to do this thing. She put me in contact with a friend who works in homelessness outreach. And she said, I'm happy to help in any way. So I said, okay, when it's all ready to go, I just need you to like promote it because then a ton of people will know. So I thought the fastest, easiest thing is just put out my Venmo, people Venmo me money. I make large orders from restaurants and line those up to go to groups of people who I have reached out to. I'm not like surprising anybody with a meal. Like the, I called the manager at Albertson's grocery store and said, would you like this? And he said very much. 
I made contact with the hospital. They said, yes, we would love this. I made contact with somebody in homelessness outreach services who said, yes, we've lost all access to the meals we normally provide encampments around Koreatown. So I kind of got all the ducks in a row. Then I announced it on Instagram. And because Ann Friedman shared it, my goal was to raise $2,000. And by the next morning, I had over 5000 That's awesome. How many meals did that end up being? Well, let's see. So the first meal is going to be for a grocery store workers, about 55 people on Monday, Albertson's grocery store in Los Feliz, Los Angeles, um, from home, from home state tacos, which is also in the neighborhood. Um, and then on Tuesday, we're going to have a hundred meals delivered through K town for all, which is a homelessness outreach, um, organization that helps bring food to about a hundred people impacted by homelessness around Koreatown. So, and then the next day, Wednesday, the Adventist Health White Memorial Hospital in East LA, that's going to be about 400 people who are on staff there. And we're going to have meals from both home state LA and a vegan restaurant called Bodie Bowl in downtown LA. Mm. Oh, and I should say the K-Town for All, the first meal we're going to provide them is from Kim Z's Kitchen, which is a vegan Cajun restaurant in uh, North Hollywood. Um, and then I should have enough funds left over that we'll do a second week of food for homeless Angelinos through K-Town for All. Because I asked them, would it be better to do two meals in a week or two meals two weeks in a row? And they said, we'd love one meal a week, two weeks in a row. So I'm still figuring out where that last restaurant's going to be. But so, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are going to be fed and big cash infusions going to different restaurants that are struggling, struggling, struggling to keep their employees insured. Oh my gosh. This is such a great idea and it's something that was so simple, right? It didn't Yeah, it was really simple. And people gave people gave between five or maybe even three dollars to two hundred dollars. So it's like a small groups of donations and then some people giving a hundred or hundred and fifty, whatever they have. But it was just the you know, it's the volume. It's it's just volume giving the way a lot of movements work. So um, it, it's, it, I am saying all this not for a pat on the back. I'm saying all this so that any listener knows, like, you can totally do this. You can totally sort of pick a restaurant you want to support, pick a group of people you want to feed, and then take to your communities through social media or emails or word of mouth to raise the funds. Be careful because scam artists will take advantage of COVID-19. There's already articles over the internet about fake testing kits and fake fundraising and all this kind of stuff. So I knew, for example, like, why would people give me money if they don't know me? And I said on a video on Instagram, like, you're probably only one or two people removed from me and you can vet me. And then my friend Ann Friedman, when she promoted it, she said, I know this person and I can fully vouch that 100% of these funds are going to get to where she says they're getting (laughs) Because scam artist, man. Beth Pickens, what if you just take a hard left turn in the middle of your life? <laughs> what if I, I just took off. I took $5,000 and I decided that was enough to have a total change of character. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she got as far as Long Beach and right. that's where she's lived the rest of her life wearing a mustache and a beard <laughs> that hooks over her ears <laughs> as she spends the $5,000. But the, the point of all that is just you just start where you can with what you have. And you know what? If you're not up for doing anything but taking care of yourself and your immediate loved ones, that's okay. It's a pandemic. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank.
This week, I feel like, was the week of acceptance for me around COVID. You know, like the week before was when I was fact-finding and going on Twitter every day. Like the two weeks preceding it, I was on Twitter all the time doing amateur science and research and just like getting into it. And now it's like, it's real. It's all here. And that means nothing new is going to happen on Twitter that I need to be keeping abreast on. Nothing. I, I don't need any more up to the minute you know, updates about like what the president's saying, what a scientist is saying, a scientist, you know, with their hands over their face, shaking their head. I don't actually need to see that right now because there's nothing for me to do but sit in my apartment and not spread anything anywhere. Sit in my apartment, bleach my groceries, (laughs) bleach my hands, bleach the boxes that are coming in because I don't have access to rubbing alcohol. And just, you know, raise a baby squirrel. Raise a family. Get <laughs> get squirrel splains. It instills a lot of hope in me that during this time you decided to grow a family. <laughs> Thank you. I, <laughs> you know, I thought, why not now? And um, so I've started a family. I'm co-parenting with my neighbor. And yeah. It's just, there's nothing for me to do right now except for try not to check the comments on Instagram where people are squirrel explaining to me that it's illegal for me to have a squirrel. What am I, am I going to go to jail? I don't know. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, you're going to go to squirrel jail. Yeah, I think, um, man, it's a good time to keep the focus on yourself, all of us. Can you, wait, I just... That's a real squirrel noise. That's squirrel noise, listeners. Oh the squirrel might be a temporary guest. So I'm just, we're getting the, the noises in while we can. Um, Beth Pickens, what music have you been listening to? Is there anything you have been avoiding or leaning into to keep you out of the dumps during this time? Mm. Um, I always love gallows humor. So I'm here for every bleak, um, rude meme. <laughs> and I ask people to send them to me often. Um, that I do think is Capricorn attribute. I've been, I, you know, I'm a big podcast person, so I'm still listening to all my favorite podcasts. Who Weekly is really fantastic right now because they're talking about what all the celebrities you've never heard of and all the bad content. Because, you know, it's just like, it, who are you if you're not live on Instagram at any given moment? <laughs> Good God. do I, I just think everybody's live on Instagram. How can anybody possibly be watching you live on Instagram because everyone else is live on Instagram? Um, so that's not content I would recommend, but... I have been enjoying, well, I am a avid follower of WMFU, which is out in New York, New Jersey, and I listen to it on the internet all day, and I give them money, and I wear their merch. I'm a big fan of many, many shows in WFMU, so that's really good music. What's your um, favorite show on WFMU? My my favorite show is called Sophisticated Boom Boom with Sheila B, and that's on, on West Coast time. It's on Fridays at noon noon to three Ooh. but their wfmu app you can download and you can listen to the archive of every single show anytime so you don't have to listen to any of it live but i am listening to that a lot i'm listening to all my usual roundups of podcasts um i actually really appreciate all the podcasts that are doing quarantine and covid19 specific content i thought i wouldn't but i actually really like it i like hearing it from all these different points of view um and I'm avoiding any news on the television, which is a rule for me anyway, because television news is just, it's just an anxiety attack waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife likes to watch it. So I just kind of stay out of the living room when she's doing that. Um, 
very minimal news intake. I mean, I look at the headlines probably 75 times a day, but I'm not, I'm just reading headlines. I'm not going in. I listen to the daily a couple times a week, but I have to, I had to put a kibosh on that. Um, I listening to the birds at the park in the morning. It's a, that's a real highlight. That's something that brings me down. And I did listen to Tara Brock put out a bunch of, um, audio meditations guided and talks about responding to this pandemic. And she's a meditative voice. I really rely on. I have a question for you. If people around you, your friends, your family members, the person you live with, if they are tripping about this and they want to give you the bad news updates every half hour, what do you recommend people say as a way to be like, I mean, for me, I would just say like, I actually am dealing with my own anxiety about this so much that I can't hear the updates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, nobody has to be a dumping ground for other people's anxiety. Nobody. In fact, that's just a rule I have in my relationship because I'm have i married to an anxious person who likes to start first thing in the morning with her anxiety. So sometimes <laughs> I'll say, I can't listen to this. You should call a friend. <laughs> that's all. Just call yeah. a friend. Yeah. So that's a fine thing to do when somebody is bringing you too much of their anxiety and um, you can say, you know, I, I've kind of hit my limit. You can say it in a loving way, like, I've really hit my limit with this, and it sounds like you're in a lot of pain. I think you should call a friend. I like that. Um, okay, I have a final hot tip. Two hot tips. One is, I there was somebody that I hate-followed in a way where it was like a fun soap opera person I was following on Instagram. And because of COVID, something in their tenor it just, I was like, I'm done with this. I have no more time for these shenanigans. I need to unfollow this person. And my friend, who I primarily bond with by sharing their posts, I had to reach out to that friend and be like, I have to take a break from this person. I can't hear any, unless something really wild happens, I can't be up in it. Because they were, um, they were dissing people that were trying to do volunteer work. And I was like, all right, now I'm officially done. You know, I was here for the funny pictures, but now I'm officially done. Okay, but my hot tip, and this is a little bit, I just want listeners to know, and I've already told you this, but I read an article, I read an article about how we may have, produce might be weird or scarce coming soon because of Trump's measures uh, limiting, you know, migrants being able to get work permits and then the borders closing with Mexico there may be a lot of crops in California, which has something like a $50 billion, you know, quadrillion dollar crop in produce industry. A lot of those crops may not be able to get harvested. And so it may be harder to get the vegetables you want at the grocery store. And so my recommendation for people, my unsolicited advice is invest in a CSA, community supported agriculture in your town. And Beth Pickens, you and I found there's, and I'm saying this because it must be replicated other places for sure. This farm that had made, had all these vegetables that they had contracts with different restaurants and all those contracts went away when a lot of those restaurants closed. And so they had this abundance of vegetables, this small farm, and they started selling CSA boxes as a way to pay their workers and survive. So if you can look up community supported agriculture in your town, and there's also like farm fresh to you. There's a lot of places that aggregate from different farms. To me, that is making sure that you personally will keep getting vegetables throughout everything. And you won't have to go to the grocery store to fucking Mad Max your way through it. And you can leave. And 
if you're able to, you can leave the vegetables at the store for people that are more vulnerable or have less access than you. As far as like us being young people that even understand how to listen to a podcast, we can Google CSAs where I know, you know, there's certain people that just like can't do that. Yeah, totally. Totally. I love the, the, the CSA, the SOS CSA that I've been participating. Now I'm doing it with neighbors. Um, so they went and got it this week and they just dropped off half of it on my front step. Yeah, it's it's great. And also it's cheaper. It used to be you would have to pay like a lot of money at the beginning of the season. But now I'm finding ones that just are so hard up. They're like, hey, if you just give us twenty five dollars this week, you can go get a box of produce and it's all organic or local or blah, blah, blah. And it's really nice. And you just go outside of a coffee shop or wherever. Or sometimes you can have them bring it to your house for a little extra money. I do have a friend that got chickens right now, a friend that eats eggs who was like, you know what, I'm just going to get my own chickens right now. And, you know, everybody knows how I feel about animal agriculture. But if you have a home for some chickens and they need a home and you want to do what you got to do, you know. I have no ethical problem with eating your own chickens' backyard eggs as long as those chickens aren't going to be put to slaughter as soon as they're not um, yeah, fertile as as anymore. Yeah, go to a good school. As long as they go to a good school, well, you know. Yeah, anyway. Getting into the wheat. I mean, my vegan thing is just basically like, well, when they stop laying, that's okay. Then they're just a, fur, a feathery pet. Yes, just a pet. I mean, they're always a pet, but then there's just a bonus where you get to eat their menses. <laughs> Instead of your own. Yeah. You know, another tip I have, and this is for people who, I mean, some I, again, I didn't lose work. And so I sort of see it as part of my resource to give away is, is money, is like cash gifts of money or um, buying from small businesses that are really, really screwed and, and putting money into places. That's like one of my little actions. And so I'm looking at all of my travel plans that got canceled, my big, beautiful vacation in Italy that got canceled, all of the retreats I was going to go on, my Jewish retreats, all these things are canceled. So I was like, okay, all those funds are freed up. Mm. So I can take some of that money and start buying from small local businesses that I know are struggling. Um, and ordering things for other people. So I heard from an artist, for example, an artist reached out to me who was about to launch a vegan Korean pop-up, and then this happened. But they had all these supplies, and they had to cancel all their pop-ups. And the artist said, you know, I'd love any help just sort of like spreading the word that we're doing takeout orders. We're going to make all this food and deliver it. So I ordered everything on their menu for me, for you, and for a third friend. And those will all be delivered on Sunday. And I thought, that's okay. That's a big chunk of money that I'm not spending otherwise because everything got canceled. Because 2020 got canceled. Oh my so God. I'm going to take some of that money and put it into things that I would love by people who I want to support. And, you know, a lot of people, you don't have any money right now. That's okay. That's not a resource you have to give. I have one more advice question for you. How do you have best practices tips for people on detaching from the boomers in their lives who are, don't understand the quarantine? I personally have family members who are at the age, they're in an older age and they are not respecting the quarantine. And I've talked to myself blue in the face explaining that if it comes down to it, they're not going to be the first pick for a respirator. And if the hospital's overwhelmed, they're not going to get the care. The way I framed it was if the hospital's overwhelmed and you get sick right now, I think you're not going to be able to get the care that I would really like for you to have so that you can survive this. And they yeah. still are like, thanks for your advice. I'm going on a road trip. <laughs> I'm 79. Right. I'm going on a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely have a, a, a boomer father 
who is not going to stop working and he does not he's not an essential worker but he and his place of business is not closed because he lives in a state that doesn't have very <laughs> they're just not there yet um we cannot control what anybody else does nothing we can have no control over it and even when it's life and death and that's really pronounced right now, but this is a lesson that has to be carried out after this too. We don't have control what other people are doing, even when they're compromising their own safety or others. Like you don't have control over people's drug use or alcohol intake. You don't have control over how people spend money or who they marry. We don't have control over other people's choices. We have control over our own and we get to set boundaries and we get to say our concerns and then that's it. It is fucked up and painful, all the people who are not paying attention to this because I think the enraging thing is they're putting other people at risk too. We're all like working to flatten the curve and then they're like bucking the curve and we're powerless over it. So the thing you can do is return to your behavior. What are you doing? That's where you have power. That's where you have influence. I think that's good. Yeah. And we've had, we said, I think of the last time we were on the podcast together, you have the right to say your opinion once and then after that, you're manipulating, managing, trying to control and mother somebody else. With this particular life yeah. in this situation, I gave myself a three-time allowance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for COVID quarantine, you can do it like five times. Yeah. <laughs> so you just be like, hey, are you guys really still going outside? Stop, <laughs> Stop it. You don't understand. Um, thank you. Thank you for that advice. But I know a lot of people, probably everybody with a parent, who is not taking this seriously is going through this same thing. Um, Beth Pickens, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. You are a fan favorite. As you know, you are a favorite of producer Chris. And we look forward to having you back and hearing how things go day by day, week by week. You know? oh, and I can't wait to, to record the podcast with you in real time, sitting next to each other on a couch again someday. Oh, my God. Can you imagine how close we have to sit on the couch to do the podcast? We would be right next to each other. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, who knows? In a couple more weeks, when we have a really tight quarantine, maybe we can form an isolation pod pod. I would love that. A podcast from the pod. A podcast from the pod. Well, Beth, thanks for coming on the show. Have a great week. And um, stay stay, health, stay healthy. I've, I don't know. That's a wish. That's a wish for you. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.